Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. Lots of things going on as we move towards the next important phase of the year. Can you believe how fast time is going? I mean, it was just a minute ago. We had the uh, big Christmas and New Year's holidays, and we're heading towards them again. We're starting to see them, right? The, the leaves are going to start turning, and we're going to start moving forward. But there's a lot going on in the news. And because we are chasing justice, and we do try to chase justice in the last couple of episodes, I think you've seen, I'm trying to bring out more criminal cases and talking about that. Well, one that's in the news right now, horrifying as it is, is the abduction and murder of Eliza Fletcher. Now, they describe her in an interesting way, because I think the way they describe her may have something to do with what happened to her. They describe her as a loving uh, wife and an heiress. So when you hear the term heiress, what's the first thing you think of, right? I mean, I guess my daughter is an heiress because uh, when I croak, she gets whatever I got, right? Her and my, my boys. Uh, but we don't think of that in, in normal people's like income. We think of an heiress as someone who comes from a family of very, very large amount of wealth. And I think that's that's probably the case with her family, and that's why they're re relating her that way. So how can that be involved in the motive for the crime? Now, first, this is all conjecture. I don't know anything other than what I have read uh, and seen on the news about what has happened in the case. But this would be, as an investigator, one of the things I would look at. Because she's an heiress, might there be ransom money available? Right? If a kidnapper wanted to take her specifically, if it wasn't just a random crime of violence, if it was someone who targeted her because they knew she was a, um, an heiress who had access to a lot of money, could that be part of the motivation here? Could the killer, and he's now been charged with murder, so I'll call him that, the alleged killer, um, it, was that one of his motivations? To take her, maybe hold her somewhere, and collect money from her family and then release her? Or was his plan to abduct her and do whatever horrible things he wanted to to her and then kill her? Or, as I've heard someone else on another station postulate, that perhaps he was going to kidnap her and she fought back. And she fought back hard. And because of that, uh, to protect himself or prevent his capture by people seeing what was going on, uh, he attacked her, and that caused uh, caused her death. Either way, it's frightening and horrible what happened to this young woman. Her family is devastated. She's lost her life. Uh, miserable, miserable thing. No matter no matter who it is, whether it's a poor person or a very wealthy person, doesn't matter. When it happens to anybody, that that someone victimizes you like that, it's hard to to even. Even consider how the family goes on. I mean, terrible things. So I think we should all say a prayer for Eliza Fletcher and her family um, and hope that justice is served in this case. Now, I think right now, the killer, and I don't want to mention his name, 
is charged with uh, murder. I believe he's charged with aggravated kidnapping or whatever they call that, um, the aggravated charge. Uh, special, especially terrible kidnapping or whatever it be. I don't know if there's a good kidnapping, but especially terrible kidnapping. And uh, identification theft. Now you say to yourself, why would you charge somebody with murder and charge them with all this stuff? And then identification theft with a $1,000 bail. Well, when you're conducting the investigation, you want to charge everything that's viable. Everything that was involved in the crime or could be involved in the crime, if it's a violation of law, you charge that. You can always work that out later on, plead guilty to the murder, plead guilty to whatever else, uh, and then they drop those ancillary charges. But you should charge everything possible initially. When we look at a situation like this, I was just teaching at a school district the other day, and I teach response to violence whether it's workplace violence, an active shooter in, in the school or the workplace or, or church or wherever you are and there's an active shooter, we've all heard the terms, you know, run, hide, fight. And what exactly does that mean? I mean, we all hear it and it seems pretty simple. You know, run, hide, or fight, if, that, if that's the only choices you have. Then you want to think about it. So I think I'll, I'll elaborate on it with this caveat. What I've told my daughter, my wife, and my sons is that you got to understand how people react to violence. When they see violence, when they're experiencing violence, what happens to us? We all know about the fight or flight response, right? We've all heard about that our whole life. You fight or you, or, or you take off and run away if there's something dangerous. Now that comes to us from uh, the beginnings of, of humanity as our brains are forming and uh, as a species and we're, we're learning to survive. All animals have that, and we are just another species of animal here on the planet. We don't always like to see it that way, but we really are. We're the highest uh, intellectual uh, group here, except for people who think that dolphins uh, are as smart as humans. I remember Uncle Rush Limbaugh talking about it back in the day. There was a whole big thing. Dolphins are just as smart as everyone else, as human beings. are. Well, they're very intelligent animals, no doubt about it. But uh, as Rush pointed out very clearly, you don't see very many dolphin-built hospitals under the ocean, right? Because they're not exactly as intellectually uh, gifted as human beings. But let's, look, let's go back to this. The run-hide fight comes to us from, from our beginnings because it's a way to survive. You know, the, the world is a hostile place. There's weather-related hostility, right? You can get killed by a storm, a tsunami, a hurricane... Uh, an earthquake, a mudslide. I mean, think about all those ways that we could have problems. And then there's violence from our own species, people who attack us and take things from us or want things from us or to use us physically. And then there's the animals. You know, when you're out in the world or you go to the jungle, you got to be careful because there's creatures there that will kill you. Spiders, bugs, snakes, lions, hippopotamus are some of the most kill biggest killers on the planet. Can you believe that? How cute they look. And they kill a lot of people every year. So the whole idea of, of fight or flight is that when you're walking down the trail and the elephant uh, it goes running, you notice something is up and now you see a lion jump on the trail. You either are going to fight with that lion or you're going to run away. You're going to flee. Fight or flight, you're going to take off, right? You have to make a choice. And we still have that today. So when I was teaching uh, with these teachers... And 
I wanted to make sure I made a point to them to understand the bigger concepts of this. And we'll get into it in a, in a minute. But what I told my wife, my daughter, and my sons is that understanding how brutality affects our decisions in fight or flight. And there's a third part there too. There's freeze, fight, flight, or freeze. We don't always think about the freeze, but the freeze is real. When you see something violent or something traumatic or something you're not sure of, you can freeze, right? You, free, you don't know what to do. You just have no idea. So brutality, when we think about brutality, um, it's scary if we see somebody do something really bad to someone, even if upon analysis later on, you could think about it. And of course, the first thing that I think of are the brave souls that were on the airplanes on 9-11. Now, most of these, uh, the people that were there, there were some elderly people, some young people, but there was a lot of big strapping men and women on those airplanes. And it was only the plane going to Shanksville, I'm sorry, that went down in Shanksville, uh, that fought back. And they only fought back after they had additional information about what was going on that day, because that, that changed the paradigm for them on how they should respond and their fight or flight response. Well, on these airplanes, we, we understand that what the, the attackers did was you had guys with box cutters. Now, have you ever seen a box cutter? It's a razor blade. A razor blade will hurt you very badly if, if I have an opportunity to get it to your neck and get it to your face. It can hurt you very badly. It can cut your arms, right? So it's a, it's a dangerous weapon, even though it's a small weapon. And the information we have is that what the attackers did is that they grabbed a stewardess and they probably cut her throat on each of the planes or cut somebody, killed somebody brutally. You know, a lot of blood when you cut somebody's throat. That's a horrifying thing to see. Seeing that violence, especially when you're not prepared for it, can throw you off. It can, it can throw your whole system into, uh, into fits. You don't know what to do. And the fight or flight kicks in. And when we see brutality being subjected to someone else, it's a natural response to not want to get involved with it. You know, so you can imagine one of these young stewardesses uh, being grabbed and these guys threatening everybody and then cutting their throat. And I hate to be so graphic, but that's what happened. And that's how you had these big, strong, strapping men who were told to get back in a plane, and they did. It was only when the, the plane um, uh, of, of, of people found out what happened to the other couple of planes that they crashed them into buildings that they realized... They're going to do that to us, too. They had a minute to think about it and make a clear decision. We better fight back, right? But that initial decision was to go to the back of the plane because we just saw something horrifying. So you get, that's the concept I want you to understand. Brutality um, in and of itself. Brutality can force us to do and say things, um, react in certain ways. So for the third time, what I've told my wife, my daughter, and my sons is that if you ever found yourself in a situation where someone jumped in your car. Maybe they had a weapon, whatever. They jumped in your car and they told you to go somewhere. That your best chance of survival is really to react immediately uh, and to either fight back at that moment. But what I told them all is don't go for the ride. Crash the car. Crash the car into another car. Crash the car into a tree. Whatever you have to do. Because if you go for that ride... You go up into the hills, you go out into the fields, 
whatever's going to happen to you is then completely out of your control. And that reality is somebody jumps in your vehicle, gets in your vehicle with a weapon and threatens to kill you and hurt you. That's the brutality. And you only have a few minutes to react before you're going to succumb to that fear. And you're going to start doing what they tell you to do. And that usually ends up uh, very, very, very badly for the people that do that. Now, I get asked all the time, but Lieutenant Joe, if you crash the car, won't he shoot you and kill you right then and there? The possibility is yes. But the possibility is also his plan didn't go as, as he intended. You crash the car and hopefully you can get out real quick, maybe run. Or he'll get scared and jump out of the car and take off. Either way, it'll be an unexpected thing that you, you messed up their plan and you're not going for the ride because that's the worst part. Go for the ride, you end up in a shallow grave somewhere lots of times. So that's that point can be further expanded when you deal with police officers. And we teach our officers that they have to be ready for violence to break out at any moment. We watch body language. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a car stop with somebody who's uh, wanted for something and you're getting them out of the car and you're trying to, you know, make an arrest nice and easy. You don't want any violence. And you'll be talking to the person and you'll see them standing there clenching their hands, opening, and closing, clenching, clenching their hands. And what they're doing is they're making a thought process in their head of, are they going to fight with you? Are they going to try to escape? Or are they going to attack? And you start to see these body language things, you know, talking to people and they keep looking past you up and down the street. Well, they're looking for, is this a possibility for me to escape here? Can I go um, that way? Can I run past the cops and get out of here? So we start to become attuned to body language when it comes to danger. And when we teach our officers... If you are ever taken hostage, somebody ever gets your weapon, uh, you need to respond and fight immediately. You need to fight back. Even though there's a danger, you'll be hurt because what happens psychologically is once you're taken hostage and you succumb to the fear and the violence, um, then your ability to respond is limited. All right, so we, we get that concept here, right? We get the concept we have to be, be careful. If we're going to respond, we have to respond right away. And there's a reason, fight, flight, or freeze. We've all seen people freeze, even law enforcement officers. I've seen them freeze when things happen because they weren't prepared for them. They weren't prepared for a gunfight to break out or somebody to start swinging with a knife or to get punched in the face or attacked by several people or watch other officers being attacked. I've seen an officer lock himself in the police car, close the door and lock himself in. And it was a horrible thing for that officer and for the ones who were there with him because he never lived that down. But he panicked. Fight, flight, or freeze, he froze. So when we look at run, hide, fight, we have to understand how that actually works. Now this, this young lady, Eliza Fletcher, apparently put up quite a fight from the video. Now I haven't seen the whole video that they have of when she was abducted, but they believe uh, that she was injured seriously. Now the police know a lot more. They have the cars, they have uh, they have uh, evidence, they have the video that they're looking at to make these determinations. But it appears as though she fought back. And if she did, good for her. Even though she lost her life, at least she fought back. Um, because, you know, I, I don't know any other way to say that, but as opposed to just being taken to fight back, I think is important. And I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. So... Run, hide, fight. What exactly is it really? 
All right, well, the whole idea is this. If you're in a situation where violence breaks out, you're in an active shooter location or, or you're doing something like that, uh, and you happen to find yourself in a building, in a church, in a mall, in your school or whatever, and, and a kind of violence breaks out, you got to remember how you're going to react. Fight, flight, or freeze. The people most likely that freeze are the people that never thought about what to do in that situation. And that's what I want you to understand. So one of the things I tell everybody is that you do not want the first time you have to react to something to be the first time you thought about it. I think about when you were learning to drive a car or one of your kids are learning to drive a car. And you know kids run through stop signs, they run through red lights by accident because they're not used to seeing, you know, here comes cars, there's pedestrians, there's all kinds of people around. And if you just gave them the car, the car keys, go ahead and go drive wherever you want. You know, most likely, there's going to be an accident because they haven't experienced what it's like to be in the middle of all that action going on and having to make 10 decisions at once. We, we, don't, we take for granted how much we have to look at when we're driving. Stop signs, children, people playing with balls, running around, whatever it is, there's a lot of activity on the roads. High speed, we're moving. And that's really the point. If we never thought about driving and we just got the set of keys, we would probably hurt ourselves or others. Well, the same thing is true to responding to any kind of violence. If you never thought about what you would do, how would I respond if there was a shooter here in my church? How would I respond if I was in this school, if you're a teacher or you're an administrator or you're a visitor and you see, you see violence taking place in front of you at the school? If you've never done it, that's why we do fire drills, right? We do fire drills so that people know what to do when there's a report of a fire. It becomes part of muscle memory. Well, the same thing for active shooters, right? We do drills in our schools and other places for the same reasons, so that we get used to getting up and going, getting up and going when something happens. All right, so that, that's really the whole run, hide, fight thing. Now, if you can run, if you can get away, that might be your best bet. That might be the best bet. If you have uh, an opportunity to go out a window, go out a door and get far away from where the shooter is, that might be your best bet, right? But what we do know is that there's very, very few examples ever of a, of a child being killed in a classroom where the door was closed and locked and the, there was a cover over the window. Because we know that our shooters in schools, they go after as many victims as they can find as quickly as they can. Because they know who's coming. Once they announce themselves, they fire a shot, break a door, bust in a window. They know law enforcement is coming or school security or somebody with a weapon is on their way and they have limited time. So the idea of, of run would mean you would have to evaluate your situation. Can you get away safely? So this is where we turn to statistics a little bit. Statistics help us to make decisions. So we know the historic value of lessons learned from all of these different programs, uh, all these different events that have taken place in the world. We learn from them, and where, where could we react if that happened to us is really the, the value that we get out of lessons learned. So when we look at this, we say, um, do I run if I can? Right. So get away if I can. If you can't run then hiding might be your option. If you can't get out safely, and you might have children with you, you might have elderly people with you, someone who's infirm, they can't move very quickly, what are you going to do? Uh, you're going to leave them there? It's an option. It absolutely is an option, but I don't know an option many people would take if it was any child 
you were in, you were in a room with you wouldn't leave the child there and run you would you would stay I would think most of us or an elderly person you know there's there's a myriad stories of uh, of 9/11 in the twin towers when when people stayed with injured people or they stayed with someone in a wheelchair or they tried to carry them uh, in the in the in the during the destruction of the towers and how people lost their lives they did the right things they stayed with other people but they sacrificed their lives some people got out so the whole idea of run, hide, fight is to run, if you can. If you can't, to hide. Now, what we know from the historical record of active shooter events is that if the shooter doesn't see you, doesn't know you're there, there's a pretty good chance that they won't kill you. So you have to understand, when it comes to hiding, uh, there's a couple of things to, to pay attention to. And there's cover and concealment. All right, so cover is ballistic protection. That means you can you can hide behind something or inside of a room or something that provides protection from bullets. So that's usually steel beams, concrete, very, very hard uh, surfaces, things that will protect you from a bullet. Now that can be, like I said, concrete walls, steel beams. You can, you can find those things. Um, depends on where you are. Where are you located? Are you... In a classroom, most schools are made out of concrete, right? Big uh, concrete bricks and whatnot. Can you get on the other side of it? Can you hide behind a, uh, a baluster? Uh, can you do that? Now, when it comes to weapons that people use against us, handguns are not as powerful as they make them out to be on TV. You know, you don't shoot a, shoot a car coming at you and you disable the, uh, the engine with a, uh, with a handgun. Um, that's not really going to happen. It's not realistic. A lot of bullets will not go through a car door. They'll go through the first layer and then they get stuck inside the second layer and uh, hardly any of them will penetrate to, through to the driver. The glass is a little different, right? You can get through the glass. So if you, if you can't find ballistic protection, then you might want to have concealment. And concealment differs from cover in that concealment just means you're out of view. So if there's a curtain in the room, go hide behind the curtain. If there's a table, you can turn on its side. And that's all you have. And the table will provide you some protection. Rifles are very powerful. Rifles will go through lots and lots of things that handgun bullets won't. So you got to understand what you're what you're facing. Maybe you put up six tables and you get behind all six of them. You're out of sight and you're down. Get behind a piano. Hide behind a curtain. Whatever it is. So that's the whole idea of hide. Lock yourself in a room. The more layers you put between you and the shooter, the better off you are. So if you can go into a classroom, lock the door, and then get into a bathroom or another closet in that room and lock that door, now you're two layers away from the shooter. So you'd be better off. So if you can run, run. If you can't hide, if you can't run, then you should hide somewhere if you can. And the last one, the last resort is to, uh, to fight. Run, hide, fight. Fight for your life. Now, this is important. This takes a little bit of, of, of explanation. When it says run, run, hide, fight, it doesn't mean you do it in that order. It means you do whatever the situation dictates. If you were sitting in a room and somebody came bursting in with a gun and started shooting, you would have to immediately go to, uh, to fight, right? You have to protect yourself. You'd have to do things. You could distract the person by throwing things at them and then maybe try to attack them. Right? Or maybe then you could try and get out of the room if they're in there with you. But you may have to fight. 
You may have to fight for your life, and most of us are not prepared to fight for our lives. Most of us are not killers. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't think about killing people. We don't, we don't put ourselves in positions to kill people. It's just not part of who we are. Right? We're not killers. You might be a tough guy, a tough girl, right? But you're not a killer. And if you have to fight for your life, then you have to think ahead of time. What would I do? So you would look around your environment. What could you use as a weapon? Do you have a computer? Computers are a pretty heavy thing. Do you have a snow globe? Right? Snow globe. Boom. Bop somebody in the head with that thing if you had to. Uh, do you have tables and chairs you could throw at somebody? Swing at them. Uh, what other things are in, in your environment where you are where, that you could use to protect yourself and maybe protect other people that are with you, children or, or whoever else is there? And I, the reason I tell people this is that because we're not really killers, right? Most of us are not really killers. But if we think about it in advance, just like somebody jumping in your car or somebody doing something brutal, if you think about it ahead of time, you can often be more prepared and ready to respond and protect yourself. And if you have to protect your life, you need to, have to think about that in advance. I, I was in a situation like that one time where I was a young cop and I didn't expect what happened. I saw a wanted person. I chased him. We ran. We fought. And uh, we fought really hard. And he, he almost killed me. He was choking me out, grabbing for my gun. And uh, I had to uh, make a decision. And I felt like I was going to give up. I was starting to you know, see, see the little fuzzies in front of my eyes. I couldn't breathe very well. And then I thought about my wife and my son at home and having the cops and a priest show up at three in the morning to say, hey, dad, dad and your husband are dead. And I fought back like an animal. I fought very hard. Um, and I finally managed to get him off of me uh, just in time as the other officers arrived where we were and take him into custody. So uh, that was an important thing. I learned from that incident. And then I said, I will never again give up. I might get killed in an incident. Somebody might get me, but I am not going to give up until they take my life. And that's what you need to think about when it comes to run, hide, fight. Run if you can. Hide if you can't get away. Secure yourself. Lock the doors. Cover the windows. Take things and barricade the doors with it. I teach school people this. Put all the desks in front of the door. Block it up as best as you can. Anything heavy, put in front of the door. And if you have no other choice, then you fight. And then you fight, all right? And fight for your life, and that means committing to your actions and thinking about what you would do in advance, right? I don't know how I don't know about you, but every time I get on an airplane now, I look around and I say, "Is there anybody on here that would try and do the wrong thing and hurt me and my family?" And what would I do? What would I do if I actually saw that starting to take place? And now, with the rise in crime across the country. You want to think about that in advance. That's situational awareness, right? When you go somewhere, you want to look in advance. You know, don't be on your phone walking around. Don't be looking up at the buildings. Figure out where you're going and pay attention. And if you see something that's dangerous, go the other way. Right? Go the other way. Um, I'll, I'll end it on, on this here. This thought is a good friend of ours. Their son was probably 23, 24, was out with another buddy, and they were going to some bars. And they were walking up the street, and it was at night, and they saw a group of guys coming towards them. And they said, gee, there's something that doesn't seem safe about this group of guys. Maybe we should cross the street. And then they said, no, we don't, we don't want to insult everybody by thinking we should, that we're afraid, you know, that they're going to do this. So we'll just, the kid ended up getting beat and uh, his jaw had to be wired closed for, for whatever length of time, a month or two, whatever they do with that, because he didn't follow his instincts and get out of there. All right, so run, hide, fight, avoid the freeze, 
Be prepared is my thoughts. We'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, my fellow Americans and those listening around the world to Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. Now, you know, all of our shows are available on podcast. So if you, if you like Lieutenant Joe, if I, if I offer things for you to think about, if I ask questions that, that you find interesting, if I tell you some interesting stories, you want to go hear more, you know, go look at the podcast on the AmericaOutloud.com website. You can find a lot of articles I've written in the past. Uh, you can find all the other previous shows and all the other podcasts associated with America Out Loud. All of Malcolm's shows and, and all of those things. So there's hours and hours and hours of amazing commentary, thought, interviews, all kinds of stuff. America Out Loud is really an amazing, an amazing platform. And uh, we're all very, very lucky, those of us who believe in the Constitution and freedom and liberty, free speech, should be very, very grateful that um, there is an America Out Loud. I know I am, and I'm very, very grateful that I have a platform, that I can speak my mind, I can ask questions, I can think things out loud. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you're all here. I do want to tell you about Healthy Cell. 
Healthy Cell is a is a, uh, a supplement that helps you uh, stay healthy, right? That, that's where the name comes from, Healthy Cell. Uh, well, they have a lot of amazing products. The one I take, I take all the time uh, for, I don't know, for months now. Um, I, I looked at it, and it's the Healthy Cell Immune Boost. And I tell you about it all the time now because I want you to know this is something good. You know, I care about all of you out there, and when I find something good, I tell you about it. So the immune boost is excellent. Uh, and then there's the focus factor, which I think I'm going to start taking. I think, uh, I think I'm going to try that because I want to stay as sharp as I possibly can. And since their other products are good, I think that'll probably be excellent too. So take a look at it. Healthy Cell Immune Boost. They have several something for sleep if you're having trouble sleeping. I know I told you this before. I gave it to my cousin. Um, and he took it. And, boy, he absolutely loved it. It actually helped him sleep. And the guy was having a lot of sleeping problems. So anyway. Take a good look. Now, we, uh, we, we talked in the previous uh, segment about violence and active shooters and responding to, to violence and looking around. And these are some things that I, I just want you to, to, to take in your head and think about because y y in this day and age where there is so much crime going on, uh, you have to really, really be careful and be aware and prepare is what I say. Don't be paranoid. Be aware and prepare. Look at your surroundings. Pay attention and be ready to react if you have to. Okay? So let's look at other things going on in the world. Now, we see, I, I don't want to deal with the Mar-a-Lago raid over and over and over again. It seems on its face that it is, um, it's an attempt to knock Trump out of the upcoming race. I heard a theory the other day, and I wish I could give credit to where I heard it, but I listen to so much news, I read so much news, a lot of it blends. Um, but I heard a theory that the reason Joe Biden has gone from the guy who's going to unite us all, bring us all together as Americans, I'm going to be the president of everyone, uh, and now he's not the president of everyone. Uh, he is not respecting half of the country he has called them names, fascists, uh, domestic terrorists, uh, Hillary, you know, a bunch of deplorables. I mean, all these kind of things, these people come up with these comments uh, about people um, that, are, that are Trump supporters or, as we've talked before, Trump is simply the vessel that many people who are constitutionalists, traditionalists, uh, people who value liberty, that's who we look to because nobody else is saying it. We have a bunch of rhino Republicans that, that don't stand up for it. They don't stand up and fight. Look at Mitch McConnell. Here we are in a fight for our, our, our country to make sure we don't go socialist, to take it back from, from the, the progressive liberals who, not just who have progressive liberal ideas, because there's always good and bad in both sides of the ideas, but the people who really want to radicalize our country and Mitch McConnell comes out, well, I don't think we're actually going to win uh, the Senate. It uh, doesn't look very good. What does he do? How come he's not holding rallies on the steps of the Capitol over there and calling out everything that he sees wrong? Why doesn't he do that? Wouldn't that be a good thing to do instead of going, I don't I think we're not going to win and we have to be prepared for that. We're going Get out there and tell the American people why they should vote for you. You know, this, this, whole, this whole establishment group... You know, the rhino Republicans, and they don't fight. And there has to be a reason they don't fight. They don't fight because they don't care really about being in the majority, moving things forward. 
They just want to keep the goodies that they got. They got a pretty good existence, right? They make a lot of money. They all end up being millionaires. Isn't that funny? They make $180,000 a year, $200,000 a year. And after 10 years, if you saved every penny, you'd have $2 million. But after 10 years, you have, you know, $27 million, $22 million. Where'd that all come from? Where'd that money come from? So that's why I don't see them fighting. We're seeing President Biden every single day go out there now call, calling the MAGA people, you know, you're a MAGA person if you believe in uh, if you believe in free speech, if you believe in this. If you don't want to kill babies, you're a MAGA crazy person and, you know, you don't respect people's rights. And How many can he, times can he talk about January 6th and keep saying that police officers, as in the multiple, lost their lives? Well, there was only one person killed in those January 6th riots. And they were riots. They were wrong. People shouldn't have stormed the Capitol, even if the cops were opening the door for them like it appears they were. They shouldn't have done it. You know, I know you're not supposed to go into Capitol without permission, right? I wouldn't have gone in there. But the bottom line is they were riots. It wasn't an insurrection. You weren't taking over the government. You weren't going in there and taking over the government with a, with a crazy uh, horned hat and a, and a, a flag. You all, I'm now the president. Everyone's going to listen to you? Get out of here. It's ridiculous. But it was it was bad. But he keeps saying that, Police officers, as in the multiple, lost their lives to the MAGA crazy people who were going in there. And we know the only person killed was uh, Ashley Babbitt, a unarmed female who was committing a uh, trespass or a burglary at the very worst by climbing through a broken window. Criminal uh, mischief and trespass. And she was shot and killed and she was unarmed. The officer who died and uh, I, I wish I remember his name because he's a brother, and he ended up dying. They said he was hit in the head by a MAGA person with a, with a fire extinguisher and he was murdered. No, he wasn't. He had a stroke. It happens sometimes to younger people. They have strokes, heart attacks, embolisms, all kinds of things. And unfortunately, that's what happened to that young man. The autopsy showed there was no blunt trauma, none of the stuff that the news reported to us. So who were the other officers killed that day? Now, were there officers punched and hit? Yes, I think there were. I think some of those idiots that went in there that were, uh, you know, going into the Capitol, I think they did fight with the cops. For that, they should be charged with assault on a police officer. Because you don't do that. You do not assault the police, right? No matter how angry you are, no matter what side of an issue you're on, you do not attack the police, right? That's, that's incumbent on all of us to follow the law, no matter how upset we are. We voice our anger with our words, with better ideas, with solutions. We don't go swinging uh, uh, flagpoles and, and punching police officers. That's completely wrong. And like I said, they should be charged with aggravated assault of a police officer and have to deal with that. But Biden comes out every day and says, multiple police officers killed in this insurrection. How come the Republicans don't come out and stand on the steps of the Capitol and say, Mr. President, you are wrong or you are a liar, right? There were not multiple officers murdered that day by this bunch of idiots in this crowd, in this riot. Why don't they do that? Why don't they show the reports, bring the statistics over and over? Now, the media won't cover it except for a few, few locations because they don't want that side of the story to come out. They want to just stick with the narrative, which is a lie. But how come nobody calls him out? Where's the Republicans calling him out? Well, when we get power, we're hearing that BS story again. When we get power, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. Anybody want to lay a bet? They ain't going to do nothing. They're going to have committees, and they're not going to call certain people. They're not going to subpoena people. They're not going to put certain people under oath. They're going to play the same stupid game, and I hope not, 
because we have a lot of things we have to get to the bottom of for everyone in the country. Right? We have to get to the bottom of this so that we know the truth. Right? We need to know the truth about what our, our once glorious FBI uh, is up to because they've been politicized now. Uh, the leadership, the leadership has been politicized. And we know they've put in fake information into, into affidavits. We know that they have uh, had information about Hunter Biden and his laptop and they've hidden it. We know that they have had uh, information. They went in and did the search warrant on, on Trump's uh, house and they took personal records, things they never should have taken. And you know what? I can speak to this very clearly. I have done economic crime investigations. I have done murder investigations, sexual assault investigations, burglary investigations, organized crime investigations. You name it, I've done every kind of investigation there is. And in every instance where I had a search warrant, and I needed to get documents, I went in and I made sure I got the right documents, right? That doesn't mean you just vacuum up every document in place and you'll figure it out back at the house uh, or at the, at the headquarters, wherever you are. No, you have to take a few minutes. You have that scene for as long as you need it. You sit there and you look and you go, oh, these look like medical records. I have no right uh, to have these medical records. So let's put these over here and we're going to leave them here. Oh, look, these are personal records. Gee, these are lawyer correspondence with the target of the investigation. We have no right to look at that stuff. Let's put it down. Where's the documents we are looking for? Oh, classified records. Well, why don't we go find that? Oh, it's marked classified. That helps you identify that. It's marked classified, super classified, super duper duper classified. They're all marked. So you know, okay, those are the ones that are in my search warrant, and that's the ones I'm going to take. And I mention that. I mention that because... Could you imagine the whole idea, I think, of this? I really do believe now at this point that um, there may have been some discrepancy about what records Trump keeps or don't keep. But do we know what records Obama kept? Do we have any idea what records George Bush kept? Right. Did they give everything back or was not that big of a deal? You know, does anybody think Trump walked around through his office loading boxes? Oh, I'm taking these records. I want those records. No, people took the records and and they went to his place because that's what presidents do. They take records with them. Uh, and some things they shouldn't have. Some things should be, they belong to all of us. Even though they're the president, they belong to us. They're, they're records. Those should stay in the archive. I agree. But it seems like there was some kind of discrepancy. And this discrepancy turned into a precedent-setting situation where, hey, we can go into the president's house. That We can go in there. And we once we're in there, we can take whatever we want. We can see any secrets that we think we want to see. Uh, we can bring information. So if they have your medical records, right, and have your financial records, hmm, tax records, they have Trump's tax records. Could they get them any other way? No, they've subpoenaed them here and there. They've tried to get them. Uh, he doesn't have to release them. Uh, but now we have them all. Now, it wouldn't, you, you don't think those will leak anywhere, do you? Like to the, to the multiple places that are trying to get Trump and do investigations on his taxes? Well, now they actually have his taxes in a way that they could never have gotten them before. They have his medical records. Could you imagine if he starts running for president and they have his medical records? You don't think something would be leaked to the press? Hey, listen, you ought to talk to Dr. Uh, Kilmartin over here who took care of Trump and Trump has a, a, a weak heart valve. Right? You don't think that would leak out to try and hurt the guy? Right? So all of this is so convoluted now because it's not that it's happening to Trump. It's bad because he is a leader that a lot of people believe can help the country and they're trying to damage his chances 
which means they're trying to damage your opportunity to vote for the person you think would be good. But the reality is, if they can do it to him, they can do it to you. Do you get that? My friends on the left, I know you're sitting in your underwear in the basement taking notes on Lieutenant Joe. Do you realize they could come and, and do that to you? Right? Because most of us are not former presidents and not high-ranking people and people of, uh, of great wealth that can do all kinds of things and have great lawyers to fight for us. Most of us are just regular people. And if they can do that to a former president, they can do it to you. This is your self-interest. So I say to everyone out there who's too stupid to understand this, and I hate using a term like that, but I have come to the conclusion that there's lots of people that are just so caught up in their position. Never Trump, never, no matter what, no Trump, I can't do it. And they want to freak out that they don't care what laws are breaking. They don't care what constitutional issues have, have been trounced all over. They don't care what they do to this guy because they just can't have Trump back again, no matter what. They don't understand that that's a recipe for disaster for you. Because once they can do it to him, they can do it to you. So I'm not saying that the FBI purposely did all this. It looks like it to me. It looks like this was an easy, convenient way to use the argument with the archives to go, you know what? Those are things that are so important. We have to go back in there and get them. And while we're there, while we have access to his office, his basement, the entire Mar-a-Lago estate, uh, Melania's closet and underwear drawer, uh, and even even his son, Baron, I understand they went into his room looking for stuff, right? So that's the problem we have. Now, if there were no um, previous incidents where we found them lying, making things up, like the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion, like the faked up FISA warrants to get information, if we never didn't have those examples, if we didn't have the example of Jim Comey, the director, coming out, and saying, we've investigated Hillary, and we found many, many highly, super highly classified documents on her private server and emails that probably have been hacked by foreign governments. We found all that, and we're not going to prosecute her. But we're going to go after Trump. Because the documents he had, he shouldn't have had. He refused to give them up, and they were locked in Mar-a-Lago, in a basement. Now, does anyone think that the place these presidential documents were locked up in is like your basement? Do you think it's like your basement? You open a door and you go down the stairs and there's all these boxes of important documents and nuclear secrets and all that. You think that's the kind of place you're talking about here? No. It was a specifically secured room. And apparently when they were there, the first time they told them, hey, could you put this kind of lock on there extra? And they did. They complied. So when you put it all together... I don't want to think they did something on purpose, negatively, that the Department of Justice, who was supposed to represent all of us, went out and did something like this. But it sure looks that way, okay? It sure looks that way. Now, if they don't have a history in the past of doing everything they can to go after Trump, and I mean the political class, the DOJ, everybody that's going after the prosecutors, um, state prosecutors across the country that are in liberal states going after this guy... If we didn't have all of that evidence of the media lying and lying and lying over and over and over again about Trump, if we didn't have all that evidence, I would say there's really nothing for us to be concerned about, right? We can trust the integrity of our institutions. We can trust the integrity of the people who, who are in those positions. Unfortunately, we don't have some evidence 
of corruption. We have lots and lots and lots of evidence of corruption that I'm going to tell you, you'd be stupid not to consider it. That doesn't mean it happened, but you'd be stupid not to consider it. And this is where I, I, I get upset with my family and friends who are on the left side of things, who are more progressive, who are more liberal, who don't like Trump, can't stand the orange man. They don't care how good the economy was. They don't care how strong the country was. They don't care how uh, secure the border was. They don't care about any of those things. They just can't stand the idea of that guy being back in the White House. And they lose their minds. And I say, do, do you realize you're complaining about what it costs you to fill the gas tank in your car? You're complaining about the cost of the food that you have to buy. You're complaining that the things and the parts and the things that you need to run your house and do your business, you can't get because the supply chain is ruined. You can't do these things. And instead of looking at it clearly and going, well, seems that, you know, uh, I thought Joe Biden would be good. I thought his, uh, his words were pretty good and I thought it'd be better than the orange man, but I was wrong. Uh, all his all Biden's policies are bad. They've caused all these problems, and it's making my life more difficult. So um, maybe I, I should think a little more clearly on things. And I know I'm going off on a tirade here, and I don't mean to. But when when we see when we see all this corruption around us, it is it's easy to expect more corruption. Right. And the way we would be the way the way all of the people involved in these agencies and governmental places and, and positions of authority and people that we're supposed to trust to do what's right for all of us. Because we see all that corruption, it's hard to believe that this is this is really going to come out any better now. You know, we, we tried they, they, they tried to impeach him twice over nonsense. Now, this is another thing. Let's go into his house and take his records. And they're very bold. I, I complain a lot about the rhinos because the rhinos would never, ever, ever even consider doing what our friends on the left here, Biden and his crew, have done. They would have never considered that. Um, but our friends on the left, they got gullions. They, they don't care. They'll break, break the law because they got the media to cover it up. Media will never complain about it. They got certain judges they'll go to that are very, very partisan. Remember when um, John Roberts was offended that Obama said that there are right-wing judges and left-wing judges. There are no such things as right-wing and left-wing judges. They're all just good judges. And we all know that's nonsense. Why do we have a constant 5-4 Supreme Court vote on things or a 6-3 vote? Why are people losing their minds about what judges get on the court? Because you want a certain philosophy that's going to back up what you want to have happen. How about if we all just wanted the constitutional thing to happen? Right? Wouldn't that work out? Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. The judges look at the constitutionality of things. But we don't have that. We have very, everything, everything is political now. Everything is political. And if you're not on one side, you're on the other, uh, and you don't have power to speak out, you're going to get hurt. So, well, I don't want to talk about Mar-a-Lago and Trump because it's terrible that it's happening to Trump because a lot of people support him. It's what it can happen to you and to me. And it is, it is part of the whirlpool or the, uh, the spinning toilet bowl of corruption that's going to take us all down through all of this nonsense. 
You know, we, we can't talk about these things because, oh, you're, you're, you're it's just, it's just, I can't, I can't do it, right? So I don't mean to go off on a tangent on you, but I, I found that that's um, interesting. Now, another thing along those lines that I did see, who, what, what's the uh, press secretary's name? Corinne Jean Pierre. I want to say her name correctly. Corinne Jean Pierre. Um, she, ha- uh, there's a lot of lawsuits going on in, around the country. People are trying, well, in in conservative states, put it that way, in the red conservative states, they're trying to fix up their election laws so that by the time the next presidential election comes around, there's not all this mishmash and, and nonsense. You know, if your constitution says you can only vote a certain way, but at the last minute, the governor says, no, no, you can vote these three different ways if you want. That's a corruption. If you wanted to change that, change the law. Change the law right today. If they change the law today in all of these places where they had all this questionable voting going on, and I'm not saying it was stolen, although a lot of people believe that, because we have a lot of evidence that there was a lot of nonsense going on with the vote. If you want to have that nonsense as part of your constitution, then vote for it. Take it to the people, take it to the legislature, and vote for it. And then that's how you vote in your state. That's fine. That's how we do things, right? We vote on it, community standards, what we want in our community. But we're seeing that the uh, the Missouri Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, I think he's also running for Senate. Eric Schmidt has a lawsuit going where he wants uh, the emails from Fauci and Corinne Jean-Pierre. Because apparently he thinks there's something in there about the lockdowns and how that affected voting rights and how it affected all this stuff. And they didn't want to give them up. Why, why wouldn't they give up those things? Is she talking to Fauci about something that's national uh, security? That if, if Putin heard it, he would be able to take us over? Or the Chinese could roll right into San Francisco if, if, they, re- if they heard the emails between Fauci and Karine G. Pierre? No, it's ridiculous. They don't want to give them up because they don't want us to know certain things. Simple as that. So this attorney general uh, filed this lawsuit and the court... Uh, said they have 20 days to turn over those emails. Now, of course, they're probably going to appeal that. Uh, just like the, the master, right? They have the uh, the master for Trump. Uh, the court says, uh, yes, he, they, there can be a, a master to look over all these papers. And the DOJ is probably going to file uh, 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 something with the appellate court that, no, no, we shouldn't be a master. We should be able to decide, and our people. And then maybe we'll get to the Supreme Court, and who knows how they'll vote. You know, we just don't know. But all of these things are swirling, swirling around. But I found very interesting. I want to say oorah to Steve Ducey, the uh, Fox News reporter who sits in the briefing rooms and asks genuine, concise, clear questions to people. It has always bothered me that people in elected official positions or in other positions don't have to answer when they're asked questions. They work for us. So I, I would make a law, if I, was, if I was in a position to make a law, that says if you're an elected official or an appointed official, you're somewhere in government, and somebody asks you a question, you have to answer the question right then and there. You don't get to blow it off. You don't get to walk around it. You don't get to obfuscate. You get to answer the question, right? So Steve Ducey is talking to uh, Corinne Jupierre, uh, and he says, you know, um, you keep talking about uh, people who, who say the 2020 election was, was stolen and how that's bad and they're, they're MAGA people and they should be uh, isolated and they should be hated because they, they questioned the election. What about you, Karine G. Pierre, in 2016 
when you questioned the Trump victory over Hillary. Right? And she did. There's quotes are out there. And she goes, Oh, I know you were gonna get to that. I know you're gonna that's apples and aren't. Now, what's the difference? How about in 2018 when uh, Stacey Abrams lost, who still hasn't admitted she lost? You know, she fights it, but but she's she's great that she fights it because it was it was terrible. So Steve Ducey really stayed on her. He goes, Yeah, no, but the question is in 2016 and, and 2018. You complained that the elections were stolen, that there was something wrong with the way it was, that it was rigged. How is that not the same as people who are questioning 2020? You see, because people have questions. They see things happen. They see, they see things that look strange, right? All of this voting and everything should be as apparent and crystal clear as the uh, purple ink on the finger of the Iraqis when they finally had a chance to vote. And that's how they showed. They went in, they voted, and they put their finger in the ink, and they came out, and they showed you the ink. Remember that, everybody? That's pretty clear that those people voted, right? So if you went to a voting booth and you wanted to vote twice, you couldn't because you had ink on your finger already. You already voted. Now, that's a very simplistic view of this, but all of this has got to be transparent. And that is part of the problem that we have today. And that's where the distrust comes from. That's where the anger comes from. Because it's not crystal clear. Because people are not doing the right thing on both sides. They have secret agendas, hidden agendas, things they don't like. They want to keep their power. They don't care what the people want. They want their stuff. And it goes on and on and on. And it never gets cleared up. People never answer questions. They're hypocritic, hypocritical right in front of us. And they're never called to account for it. Right? So these are some of the things I think that we really need as a nation. Every one of us on both sides of the aisle have got to say, listen, this isn't right. We've got to fix this because you know what? If we don't fix it, it is not sustainable. We cannot go on like this much longer. We are at too much of a boiling point everywhere. There's so much anxiety. We have to get rid of it and go back to red, white, and blue. Hamburgers and hot dogs uh, uh, on 4th of July. The holidays, where we all care about America, where we all see pride in our flag and we love each other and do what's right. Well, that's my soapbox for today, my friends. This is Lieutenant Joe signing off for Chasing Justice, saying, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Think about what we talked about today, and let's see if we can do better 